Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic. What's up, everyone? My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, and I love being a geoholic. We appreciate you tuning in for this nuclear edition of Bad Elves, Seconds of Spatial News. We Bad Elves live our lives one spatial second at a time, and we know you, geoholics, do too. This week, we are reporting on GIM International's story on using drones to map the toxic Chernobyl. If you're unfamiliar with Chernobyl, let me refresh your memory. The Chernobyl nuclear power plant in 1986 had a fatal meltdown due to a sudden surge in power, exposing the surrounding areas and modern Ukraine to heavy amounts of radioactive material, making one of, if not the worst, nuclear disaster in human history. Even today, the area known as Chernobyl, or the Chernobyl Exclusion Zone, CEZ, is still one of the most radioactive in the world and off-limits to most people. If you are interested, I've heard the show Chernobyl on HBO in 2019 is supposed to be an accurate yet dramatized television miniseries on the catastrophic event. Recently, the United Kingdom's University of Bristol is leading the effort on several robotics projects of the famous site in conjunction with Ukrainian authorities. Utilizing drones, the project aims to help increase the efficacy of monitoring and mapping of the site. Additionally, to help develop innovative methods to eliminate direct human risk in a potentially similar situation like this in the future. The drones used have radiation mapping capabilities hoping to prove, in the event of nuclear disasters, UAS solutions can be used instead of traditional manned operations. If you ask me, this is another amazing demonstration of how geospatial technology is helping us navigate our extremely complex world, even in apocalyptic conditions. Okie dokie, that does it for this week's Bad Elf's Seconds of Spatial News, reporting from Sticky San Marcos, Texas in B2 Studios. We hope you enjoyed our designated news of the week. If you have any questions about this story or about Bad Elf GNSS products, please feel free to contact me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. Ciao, Geoholics. Thanks. I'll start that over. Oh, you blew Dude, it. when your texts Sorry. come in. So <laughs> I was trying to turn on Do Not Disturb right when it came in. Okay, here we go. Orange whip, orange whip, three orange whips. <laughs> Who has not seen that movie? Going around. Oh my God, I love it. Welcome back, Geoholics. We may not be in the Palace Hotel ballroom, but we are in the swanky Diamondback Lancer Bank studio, live and in person to record what I'm told is episode 98. Number 98. No clue. No? None. Anything from you, Jake? Swat, defensive linebacker of some sort? Or no way. We're, we're digging deep on this one. We got Connor Bedard. 
No clue. Like, this is like the first name I have not ever even heard of. Well, this is a shout out to Michael Thompson for the suggestion. On oh, this one. oh, nice. Wow. He was a friend of the program and he said, you know, go a little deeper on this one. And thank God he bailed me out. Uh, this guy is known as, quote, the future of hockey. Oh, my He's goodness. He's NHL eligible in 2023. He's in Canada. He played in his U15 and U18 teams, led it in goals, points, and he's named MVP for both teams. So <laughs> he's the next number 99. The next big thing. Yeah. We'll say wow. the number 99. Spoiler alert for next week. And you know what's <laughs> so funny? I have, an, I have a feeling that Michael Thompson probably knows this guy, and we'll get him on the show. We should. Michael Thompson knows everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, Michael Thompson knows every Canadian ever. Maybe he can help us with 99, too. Yeah, oh, right. If he can pull that one off, he's a legend. All right, we'll have to find out about that. So um, without giving too much away, there's some talk of doing some pretty cool cross-marketing things with a couple other podcasts. One from Israel, actually. Mm-hmm. I haven't even shared this with you guys yet. And another from right here in Arizona. In addition, we're still trying to work out the details, but there may be a geoholic sighting at the Texas Society of Professional Surveyors Conference next month. 50-50 chance. We'll see about that. Oh, and uh, those that are anxiously awaiting your Geoholics fan packs, please forgive me. I'm the worst freaking mailer ever. <laughs> I thought Shoots was the worst, yes. but I have to claim I am the worst. Yes, I'm horrible. the title. Yes. Thank goodness. So they'll be in the mail tomorrow. There, I said it out loud, so therefore the level of accountability has elevated. I promise mailing is hard. It is not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> PJ, tell us about that opening number. All right, we got a long one here. So that was Everybody Needs Somebody to Love, um, the Blues Brothers. So Blues Brothers, Juliet Jake, a.k.a. John Belushi, and his silent brother, Elwood, a.k.a. Dan Aykroyd, was among the most popular groups of the late 70s. What started as a skit on the hit NBC television sketch comedy series Saturday Night Live quickly snowballed to become a true phenomenon, complete with hit records, a sold-out concert tour, um, and even a feature film clad in vintage black suits, narrow ties, fedoras, and omnipresent wraparound sunglasses, the Blues Brothers delivered spirited renditions of classic soul hits. While opening for comedian Steve Martin in Los Angeles in 1978, the Blues Brothers recorded their debut live LP, Briefcase Full of Blues. Uh, The album quickly went platinum, launching top 40 hit covers of Soul Man and Rubber Biscuit. Do you know any of that that you just said? Have you seen the movie, John? Uh, John Belushi. I've seen the movie. Uh, Steve Martin, know that guy. John Belushi, know that guy. Uh, actually, the first time that I heard about the Blue B- Blues Brothers, so I've got a Blues Brothers story, was I was working at this uh, credit union in college, and I was in working at one of the branches, and we, ha- we were having this guy go around, and he robbed probably like 10 of our branches. Wow. And every time he'd come in, he'd be dressed in like this suit and tie. He looked like a Blues Brother. Oh, my God. So they started, the <laughs> FBI came in, and they started like their investigation on him, and like I guess any time that like a robber guy likes this, like it's like a serial, mm. um, they... Get, have to like coin him like a name because we don't know his name obviously mm-hmm. and they would just call him the blues bandit oh. so for like the first like six months i was like always waiting for this guy to come in like the blues <laughs> bandit that was like the talk of the whole branch is like when is the blues bandit gonna strike so that was my first uh uh exposure to the blues brothers oh, i man, thought they called awesome. him elwood or something or that soul was, man yeah maybe soul man but no it's good stuff that movie they destroyed more cars than I think than any other movie. There was in some history. sort of record, I think, actually. Yeah, I feel like there was 
there had to be something. Yeah. I remember when it first came out, you know, I was, I was a little kid and some of it was filmed, you know, not too far from my house. So we would like drive out there and my dad would be like, this is where that scene was filmed, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the coolest thing ever. But uh, <laughs> one of the best movies ever regardless. So uh, Juliet, Jake and Elwood, you can't beat those guys. Exactly. All right. Shout out to this week's highlighted or featured friend of the program. This is a big one. Diamondback Land Surveying, our good friend Trent Keenan. You can't forget to mention that we're in the Diamondback Land Surveying studio. Indeed we are. start off with that. And Mm -hmm. then Diamondback Land Surveying provides complete surveying, mapping, and construction staking solutions for residential, commercial, and public works projects. Diamondback Land Surveying is a firm made up of highly skilled professional land surveyors with over 200 years of experience in public land survey, survey systems, and construction surveying. Diamondback's seven professional surveyors are licensed in Arizona, California, Colorado, Idaho, Nevada, New Mexico, North Dakota, Oregon, South Dakota, Utah, Washington, and is also licensed as a certified federal surveyor, CFED, being only one of 1,500 nationwide. Our, their survey team takes great pride in being professionals in all aspects of their work and emphasize on time service that maintains an excellent reputation in the construction and development communities Excuse me, by consistently providing top-notch services to their clients. www.diamondbacklandsurveying.com They are dedicated to building and maintaining an excellent reputation. And I got to say, Trent Keenan, Glad to hear he's a good guy, though. He's, indeed, he is. And I, I, I got to correct you on one thing, or at least give you shit. Uh oh. You don't have to say www. Yeah, Why not? Come on. Every time I say that, it's like you guys give me all this shit. Uh, yeah, I actually remember we just, it did happen one it, time. We just put yeah. it out there. You go to diamondbacklandsurveying.com. Worldwide. Well. Don't get used to it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the Trimble Geospatial Weekly Words of Wisdom. This is my time to shine. Um, so here's the thing, and I failed to mention it. Guys, we passed, just this past week, 50,000 downloads. 50,000 downloads. How Huge many? number. Let that sink in. Isn't that insane? I mean, I what, think what about you, that. Where'd you get your tattoo at? Oh, God, it was like 20,000 or something seen like, like that. That didn't seem like that long ago, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, gotta, I still got to run a half marathon here, boys. I was yeah, thinking you about do. that the other day. Yes, you do. I was walking around Vegas. I did 15 miles the other day. And there you go. Like, That's a half marathon right there. <laughs> You had to walk that far to find a freaking pot shop? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, I'm full of gratitude. So my quote this week is about gratitude. Get this. Gratitude is the healthiest of all human emotions. The more you express gratitude for what you have, the more likely you will have even more to express gratitude for. Get that? Okay. Okay. Pretty deep, right? Mr. Uh, Zig Ziglar. Love that guy. (laughs) <laughs> Always full of good stuff. Let's catch up the boys a little bit. PJ, how are you now? Doing good. Uh, I'll keep it quick. I was just had a little wrench thrown into my week on the way over here. Went to go start up the car. <laughs> Didn't go. Car light up like Christmas <laughs> tree. <laughs> it was like <laughs> doing this really weird clicking thing, too. I've never even heard something like that, even when a battery does die. So hmm. another battery fallen to um, the, Arizona the Arizona heat. Yeah, the Arizona heat in the summer. Is so. that two years? Two years old? Yeah. Yep. Just They're right on the dot. About two years. Yeah, right on the dot. So I had yep. to go... Uh, 
drop a couple hundred bucks on that and get a new one in. And still, I've got all the lights on, so I got to go make an appointment. But kind of threw a wrench in my weekend because I'm supposed to go up to Zion and do some camping. So oh, nice. Just had to make a quick appointment at the dealership. Hopefully, everything checks out. And this I'll report back. Have you I been up there it. before? I've never have, no. I have heard, literally, I've never been up there, but I've heard it's like one of the most beautiful places on earth. I've been doing some research on some spots, so hopefully we get to see. And the weather's going to be perfect. Hopefully we make it up there if we have some wheels to take us, but <laughs> yeah. I'll report back with some pictures. You'll be fine. It'll we'll be, be good. Fine. I look forward problem to Problem solved. Problem solved. So problem we go solved. We go from a boat trip out in the ocean to Zion. Where Where do you Outdoors, man. Or like have a hard time yeah. in well, the no, outdoors? If, you have, if you're not following Jake on uh, Instagram, you need to. You need it's a great Jake follow. Ivy, it's a great follow. And where were you at? I saw you like posting something with some DJ, like you're at a house party or something. Oh, yeah, what there, the hell was that about? There's this place that's in Tempe. It's like actually right where you were today when you sent us that location. Oh, really? It's called like Shady Park or something. Well, of Shady course Park. it is. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> <Shady> <laughs> it's the shadiest park in town. No, it's like rural and uh, or Millen University. Mm. That's cool. Look like you were like in a, was like an industrial building or something, and it's like industrial, but there's like a bunch of trees and stuff to make it look like a, green. Is that guy like is he some known DJ or something? That yeah, guy? that guy was. Yeah. Oh, he was. Mm-hmm. There's I, some good, some big oh names that come. It was pretty cool. It's hard to be you, but I'm Brian. Jealous. We, we got to hear about Vegas. Oh, I you, went we, to, we know I, you had to scoot out a little early last week. Yes, I apologize for running off a little early. I had to catch a flight. I honestly forgot completely where I parked. <laughs> Leaving here? Yes. I parked. I'm not surprised. Got on the plane, and then, like, halfway through the trip, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I don't know where I parked when I get home. So I was, was that walking. the weed or the, the alcohol? Yeah, all of the above. Oh. When Check I was, all the boxes. When I was walking through the parking lot, I'm like, beep, 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 come on, please, beep at me, and my car got me, but went to the UAV Expo, That's saw awesome. a friend of the program, Mark Taylor, while I was there, nice. him and his son, had a great time. Uh, did some presentations for ASPRS. Big Shout stud. out to them. Uh, big birthday over the weekend. Hudson Duke turned eight. Super soft birthday party. Friend of the pro- pro- friend of the program. You know. Yes, indeed. He's a he's a geoholic through he's and through. <laughs> he's the youngest geoholic. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And well, like another two years, we'll get a ta- he can get a tattoo, right? Ah, uh, you got to clear that by mom, not me. <laughs> That's never gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> but he turned eight. We had a party a kid-friendly party with the bouncy house and water slide in the backyard it was a great time so awesome uh needless to say i haven't slowed down a bit what about you um well first let me say my lock of the week last week was the worst possible pick ever Remember? Remind me. I picked Tennessee minus three. Oh yeah, <laughs> how'd, that, how'd that work out <laughs> for you? Horrible. But you bet, you bet Arizona. Promo. No, I, I didn't. I didn't, oh. I didn't even bet my own lock of the week. Okay, I didn't even bet my own lock of the week. It was horrible. <laughs> the, the Cardinals proved me so wrong. It's ridiculous. All I can say is I hope they can keep it up because it's pretty exciting if they can. They're going to be a really good team. Oh, absolutely. So I don't know about you guys, but my lock this my lock of the week this week. You have one? Don't listen to this. Don't, well, you, this <laughs> you one won't might, even bet it. This yeah. one might be good. Bills minus three and a half. Who are they playing? Uh, Miami. In Miami. That's a solid one. But they just lost to Pittsburgh, which was unexpected. So I yep. think the Bills are going to be out for blood. So oh, yeah. Put, Josh bet Allen. the farm, bet the barn, bet a house payment, whatever, and the Bills minus three and a half. Bet Jake's boat. Yeah, and then after bet you get Jake's done with dingy. that, go ahead and slap <laughs> just a little bit on Chiefs minus three and a half Baltimore on Sunday night. Uh, just because the they game don't lose. It's in Baltimore, though, It's in right? Baltimore, but the Chiefs don't lose. Yep. So. Didn't the Chiefs play in Cleveland? Uh, no, that was at Arrowhead. Oh, was that? A, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That was a good game. Yeah, a great game. That was a great yeah. game for sure. So, total side note real quick. How do you feel about this whole controversy with the Chiefs name? 
Uh, I've been there, done that. I mean, they've been talking it's, about this for a while. It's a little I, I different mean, than the Sun Angels. Yeah. I mean, if it comes, Cleveland Guardians coming next season. I don't. Oh I don't God. see it coming so to, to fruition anytime soon because this has been going on for several years. I don't know. Maybe people get more like things are actually changing, like with mm-hmm. uh, Washington and stuff. So maybe, yep. but yeah, that'd be a bummer. You think it is going to be a distraction at all for Andy Reid? <laughs> You can't distract that guy. Undistractable. Well, Undistractable. He's, just, he's thinking about where to get the next pizza. That yeah. guy. Or the next yeah. barbecue slider. Yeah. I, yeah. I just think Jake should grow his Andy Reid mustache. He should. I, I wish I could do one. Do That'd it, be awesome. Man, do it. And, and get the Andy Reid uh, stomach, too. Yeah. Oh, I got that under control. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I spent a little time in Prescott this past weekend, saw mom, spent the weekend uh, or Saturday night with her, and we went up there to see Roger Klein, which Mm -hmm. I had never seen before. I've always wanted to. He's got a huge following here in Arizona. First time I saw him. Um, Tons of fun. I mean, he's his fan base is so passionate, and they definitely appreciate him and his music, and um, I'm a fan. I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm 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 now a Roger Klein fan. They make that a uh, D back song when they win a game. Oh yeah, they do that. Haven't song. heard that's that many right. times this year, but that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, other than that, great weekend. Uh, let's move on with this safety apparel, safety share, and other things to avoid. Shoots, what do you got, buddy? I got seven safety tips for road construction work zones. I don't know if we've done this one before or not, but you can never do that one too much. Exactly. Uh, a use personal protective equipment every day. Start each day with a team safety meeting. Control traffic flow. Mm. That That's the biggest one. Designate a site-specific safety program. Ensure all workers have a clean line of sight. Make sure, excuse me, make safety a personal responsibility and designate a job site safety officer. All good stuff. I'm just keeping it basic. Today. Oh, of course. Absolutely. And just, yeah. I mean, the biggest, the only thing I'm going to add to that is, uh, you know, a lot of surveyors listen to the show and folks that work out in the field. The, the most important thing we can do is create awareness. Absolutely. That's it. I mean, we're not going to be 110% safe everywhere we are, but the one thing we can do is create awareness, let people know that we're there. Exactly. We so, need some reflective stuff everywhere. Good stuff. Absolutely. I talked to Trent Keenan today, and that was his suggestion. Mm-hmm. It's a good one indeed. All right, let's move on with this. Let's get our uh, let's get our guest involved now. What there do you think? We we've go. been we've been chatting and chatting very chatty tonight. She's very quiet and, and respectful. All right, our guest this evening is Juliana McMillan Wilhoyt. A little bit about Juliana here. She's born, raised, and now lives full time in wonder in the wonderful Chicagoland area. So she's from my home home state, which is awesome. <laughs> she attended Wheaton College in Illinois as an undergrad. Go Thunder. And University of Illinois Urbana for her master's, which I got to tell you, I went to Southern Illinois University, and we thought the people that went to University of Illinois were like these stuck-up jerks. So, were you uh, Carbondale or, or Edwardsville? Carbondale. Go Salukis. <laughs> uh, guess who attended Wheaton College? And this is a fabulous fact, especially since we just recognized 9-11. Todd Beamer. Remember that? Class in 1991, he was a hero on United Airlines Flight 93. Oh, he was one of the 40, huh? Yeah. Yep. So he was one of the heroes on Flight 93 during the September 11 text. He was a uh, an alumni, alumnus of Wheaton College. Um, what else? Juliana is a big crafter, and she also enjoys hiking and building a community within the geospatial Spatial profession. Geospatial. She is currently the principal or a principal consultant at Tabulae. Spatial services. She likes to refer to herself as 
cartographer of change for both people and organizations. We're going to dig into that more, of course. She does career coaching and networking events for the geospatial community. And I love this. She also hosts regular <coughs> Mappy Hour, not Happy Hour, Mappy, Mappy Hour, Hour networking like events. And little known fact, she's deployed twice to Puerto Rico with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers after Hurricane Maria and Irma to work on power restoration. Oh my goodness. Juliana, welcome to the Geoholics. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, I am so excited to be here and to talk geospatial and to sort of, there's, you know, not bridge the divide, but right, but, but to sort of bring these two sort of disparate parts of our industry together that don't always talk. And that's one of the things I'm super passionate about. Well, we're going to get into that more for sure. One thing I didn't mention, and I want to circle back on here just a little bit, it was part of your bio that you provided. You sat on the U.S. Board of Geographic Names, the body that names things in the U.S. Tell mm -hmm. us about that. I am so curious about that. Yeah, so uh, the U.S. Board of Geographic Names is a U.S. government body. So I worked for the U.S. federal government for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for a few years. And I uh, lived in D.C. for a portion of that time and just by networking within the office, befriended someone who was about to retire. And he was like, hey, do you want to start coming to these meetings? And I was like, sure, like, it's a thing to do. And then it was like, oh, you get to name things. So it's this body that uh, is in charge of the gazetteer of the United States, oh and that votes on what things are called. So um, uh, not uh, a, if a place, i.e. like a lat long, is then included in the gazetteer, it has to have a name. <laughs> and so sometimes things are renamed. Um, there's been some some controversy in just places that have like really inappropriate names. So there was a, a big push to, um, you know, take places that had the N word and, mm. you know, re rename them. There's, there's some issues with um, Native American racial slurs, particularly around Native American women and sure. renaming those. Um, but there, there were also things like um, naming a place called Clowder Creek. Um, Clowder is a group of working cats. So this was in honor of the mill cats in an area. Um, so it was it was super, super interesting to get to learn the stories of places and the, uh, just like the different research and like, you know, how people were, were calling the, these places. Um, and, you know, those place names really do like help shape and influence America. So that was honestly one of the coolest things I have wow. gotten to do. That is so cool. Were you ha did you happen to be involved with the renaming of uh, Squaw Peak here in uh, Arizona? The same thing. Because it went from like Squaw Peak. I was Peak not to involved in the renaming of that. Yeah, it went no. from like Squaw Peak to Piestawa Peak. Piestawa. Piestawa, yeah. Yeah, so there's a little controversy there. Just curious about that. So I can't let you, I can't move on without doing an icebreaker question. So here's our icebreaker question for this evening. If you can have any one fictional character as your imaginary friend, who would that be? Hermione Granger. Oh Who? From Harry Potter. Who did she say? Hermione, Hermione Granger. Granger. Hermione Granger. I have no freaking idea. Oh, oh come on. Come on. <laughs> I have not watched one of those movies. Uh, but there, there's a lot of books. Yeah. Books are overrated. Let's be honest. I don't read. These are where it's at. Are there cliff notes for these books? Yes. All right. I'm sure uh, there are. I'll look into those. Hermione, about, I could see that answer. Ah, oh, geez. Yeah, she cares a lot about justice, which is something that that I care about. Uh, very bookish, but also personable and like building a community. I think there's a, a lot of of similarities, and so, but 
but she's someone who I think could help like reel me in if she was my imaginary friend. That is amazing. I got to tell you, I'm like, this is a tough icebreaker question, especially yeah. if you don't have time to prepare for it. And she nailed and it. Juliana just like right off the bat. Boom. I know. It was a collegiate debater. So I am fairly good at just answering <laughs> things on my feet. You shouldn't have told me that because now I feel I'm, I'm stressed. Inferior. I'm stressed. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with Jake. We just won't start debating things. We won't, we won't get combative. <laughs> I'll stick in the uh, movie, popular movie realm, Captain Jack, Mr. Sparrow. Captain of Jack. Of course. I, yeah. That makes I, sense. That I, makes I'd sense. I'd love for that guy to be my friend. Yep. Man, oh, man, I got no answer on this. You don't one. have one? No. Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo. Um, <laughs> I got a- uh, That is a good one. <laughs> that's a good one for sure. Deadpool. Oh, that'd be Deadpool. fun. I would love that to Deadpool. Absolutely. Probably, uh, now that we circle back, I would probably mm-hmm. go with Homer Simpson. There you go. That makes sense. <laughs> there we go. Now now we're awesome. reeling it What's in. What's that bar they always so hang out at? Moe's. Yeah, there you go. That's where you guys are. <laughs> Moe is my favorite character. So Moe's is kind of like Tally's. Yes. Yeah, it actually is. <laughs> they are very similar. Dark right. and dingy. And- yeah, no doubt. So, Julianne, I think that you and I, we met um, virtually, I guess, on Clubhouse. Is that correct? Yes, we did. And then slid into your Instagram DMs. That's the first and probably hopefully only time I ever use that. Yeah, we're just and you know, uh, we're just like, yeah, it would be great to to get to, you know, be be yeah. on your pod. I felt violated, by the way. Yeah, she slid in. <laughs> so that's t- what the kids are saying. Yeah. So Clubhouse, are you still really involved with Clubhouse Center? Are you still making contacts that way? Yeah, um, so I am part of the Geospatial Connections Club, and we meet every Wednesday at noon central time on Clubhouse, and we talk about a variety of different things. We're so focused on the GIS side of the geospatial world, but not exclusively, and so have a really great group of people who get on every week and have that conversation. It's been something that was unexpectedly life-giving. I mm. sort of will oftentimes try stuff in life and I'm just like, okay, like this isn't going to work, but it's been something that has really stuck and something I've been really thankful for. Wow. That's awesome. Great answer. I love the energy. I can see this is going to be a great conversation. <laughs> um, so we've had a number of GIS folks on, a lot of uh, like Nick Smolovsky, for example, and some others really promoting the GIS profession. And I know that's something you're very, very passionate about, which is one of the reasons we wanted to have you on here. Talk a little bit about your your individual career path and how you made G- GIS, um, you know, uh, a, a path that you want to take. Yeah. So I have always loved maps and my favorite toy as a kid was a stuffed globe that had animals from all around the world on it. And when I was in college, I was one of those people who like couldn't figure out what I wanted to major in. So I bounced around from different things. I went to a small liberal arts school, which I absolutely loved because I got to focus on forming my brain and learning how to think and how to talk. But um, sort of began to realize like, oh, there's this thing called geography. And so created an interdisciplinary major, right? Because we didn't have a geography major. And when I told my mom this, like she'd sort of been like, you know, previously, like you got to figure out what you're going to study. And then when I told her this, she was like, oh my word, like this makes perfect sense. Like this is like what you've always wanted to do. Like you've always loved maps. And so um, but because I went to a small school, there wasn't a ton of geospatial opportunities in terms of classes. So I've actually taken, in terms of my formal GIS education, I've taken the equivalent of one semester of GIS. Wow. So it was two half semester classes put together that 
made one. So I am almost entirely all self-taught and which I think it brings part of my perspective to the table is that I really value formalized education. I have a master's degree. I'm, you know, considering getting my PhD, but I also think that there is just a value in learning things on, on your own. And so that really shaped, you know, how I ended up getting, getting into the profession. That's so interesting because I'm going to make a surveying comparison here. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say the majority of surveyors, <clears throat> excuse me, are, I don't want to say self-taught, but they've worked with mentors to bring them along in their Absolutely. career. You know, it's outside not, of the classroom, outside of the classroom, you know, surveying, don't get me wrong. You know, there's the proponent or those that are, I guess, in favor of four-year degrees. And there's those in the camp that are not in favor of four-year degrees and are much more in the camp of, uh, you know, learning on the job. Mm-hmm. And that's a, so I'm going to make that comparison right now, right off the bat, um, based on what you just shared. So that's that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, and, and I think that that's one of the things that I really wish that the like GIS side of the geospatial industry could really learn more from the surveying side is I think that... There's an elitism that I'm seeing, particularly as GIS becomes less of a thing and more becomes geospatial, like, right, Mm. that there's more spatial information that's out there. And that the GIS camp is, like, really digging in their heels of, you have to have this particular type of knowledge. And yes, like, there are mistakes you can make, like, projections and, like, Mm. that stuff, like, (laughs) does matter. But you can also learn that on the job. And you can also bring in other perspectives, which I think makes you way, way more effective at your job than just desk learning. No question. I, 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 Absolutely. I don't disagree with that one bit. Um, what, are, what are some of like the, the challenges that you've encountered having that perspective? So I think I've gotten really lucky. Um, so right out of college, I got a job at Esri, which really mm. set up the course wow. of my career. <laughs> yep. I don't know how I got the job at Esri, right? I had no knowledge. I didn't know what a file geodatabase was when I got my job there, but I was a student assistant at the Ezra user conference, which essentially means that you pay to get there, but then they pay, they pay for your hotel and food and you get to work at the conference. And I proved that I could show up on time and not be hungover and that I could talk to people. And they're like, Hey, we'll give you a job. And that really then paved the way for me to get these other jobs because I was able to prove my chops that I had this experience at, at Esri. But really like as a business owner, being self-taught is really, I think, what sets me apart because I care a lot about things like social justice and social, social equity. I care about the environment. And those are things that my divergent background means that I come to these problems from, from a different perspective and that I'm you know, just bringing together a lot more information than someone who just has studied, you know, solely GIS and like, you know, they've got their bachelor's and their master's dressed in geography or GIS. You know what? It's funny. I think you just nailed the recipe for success for most geospatial people show up on time and don't be hung over. Yeah, that's why I've been such a failure in life. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> but it's so true. So true. It is very it, true. It totally is, right? It's just showing up. Yep. I, I'd also try to just say like having a cheery disposition yes. also helps. Great attitude. Um, well, Mary right? Poppins and be, right like there. Ha- having that attitude to learn. But, mm-hmm. you know, they, they say that 70% of life is showing up. Yep. And I really think that that's part of it was just like me showing up and be like, hi, I'm here. Like I wasn't being like, hi, I'm here. Give me a job. But it was just like, hi, I'm here. I'm ready to learn. Yep. Yeah. And, the, you know, having the willingness to learn. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I tell people. I'm like, show up on time. Have a good driving record. 
Don't be addicted to drugs. Have a willingness to learn. I can take you places. (laughs) (laughs) So simple, yet so difficult for so many. It's crazy. All right, so talk a little bit about the you know the, the company or is is your company the one that you work for right now or who is that? Yeah, so I uh, I've had to pivot a bit in the past year. So mm-hmm. February first of twenty twenty, I quit my big time uh, corporate consulting job to go out on my own. Little did I know how the world would change just six weeks later, and so would my business. Mm-hmm. So the all the contracts and everything that I had lined up and all the clients that I was had in my pipeline no longer had as much interest in working with me. So I um, really focus on doing geospatial analysis for mission-driven organizations, so small organizations who really can Leverage have geospatial technology, you know, maps and other things. Um, that that's sort of my sweet spot. So currently, I've pivoted uh, back into the workforce, but my my goal and hope is to be able to run my company full time again in the future. Oh wow, that's awesome! What's, yes, the, uh, what's the name of the company? Oh yeah, so I work. My company is called Tabulate Spatial Services, which is a road trip from uh, DC to Chicago. My husband and I were trying to figure out what should our family last name be. Mm. SEO optimization ended up picking uh, McMillan Wilhoyt. He's McMillan. I'm Wilhoyt. But uh, Tabulate was the uh, was the close second, which was we we fell in love because of maps. Our third date was building an Esri web app builder application, <laughs> even though we met online and. We both end up being map geeks. But anyway, uh, Tabulae is a Google Translate cartographer from Latin. So it may not actually be how you pronounce it or even I've now like gone back to try and recreate it. And I don't actually know if it's really what that is. But anyway, that's that's the name of the company. So I got to ask you this question. Uh, I don't know. Do you know Nick, Dr. Nick Smolovsky? Yeah. Okay. So Nick came on here and he said that, you know, he and his wife are both like map nerds and they lay in bed at night and talk about <laughs> map projections. Are you guys in that same category? No, but we had a map-themed wedding. <laughs> that, that's pretty darn close. I'll give you that. Yeah, uh, that's I don't. Awesome. I don't think. Um, Too no, far from we, that. We we haven't we haven't laid in bed and talked about map projections so. though. Yeah. Yet. Yet. Yeah. Yet. Yet. No. Yeah. Now that we laid the seed there. <laughs> Yeah, we, we were doing some analysis of, uh, I, I don't know if you've seen the, the pictures from the Met Gala, but Dan mm. Levy uh, yeah. wore quite the um, quite the mappy outfit. So we, we were discussing the projections and like yeah. he seemed to resemble some projections in, in his outfit. That's a super cool story. And I remember it was like ASU, was it last year? PJ, where they had like the topo in the end zone, in the end zone. Yeah, that was cool. So I mean, cool. ASU, there's topo everywhere, and oh, a lot of their graphics, just yeah, cool. even like on the sides of like buses and stuff like that. Yeah, the wraps, the vinyl wraps. Yep, the wraps. That's yeah. you got to wrap the new car in topo map. Maybe I should. That's a good idea. Topo maps are super cool. <clears throat> super cool. So what are, what are you doing? I know you're very passionate about you know the geospatial community in general and just like building relationships and things like that. Talk a little bit about that effort. Yeah, so I think that one of the problems in America and maybe the world is that we just don't talk to people who are different from us. And so even before COVID shut things down last year, as I was building my business, I just started talking to people who were not like me within the geospatial industry. And I was like, if I can understand what the work that other people do and like their perspective, I think I'll be able to understand both this industry better, but hopefully I'll also be able to understand my country and I'll just like become a more empathetic person. Mm. But instead of just sort of doing a wide swath of selection of just talking to, 
you know, ra random people, um, I figured that there would probably be pretty big political differences and just lifestyle differences mm -hmm. if I focused within um, within our community. So just started talking and uh, much to uh, people's chagrin, I haven't stopped talking. And, you know, my, my goal is just to, to both amass knowledge maybe for, my, for myself, but to also then share that information because I, at least my career path is non-traditional. I found that so many people who have gone down a traditional career path tend to tell that that's the way that it has to be. Mm. And maybe that is the way that it has to be. But I think there's a value in understanding there are other paths out there, yeah. particularly for people who are, um, for, for women and, and minorities who mm. maybe haven't had as much access to those traditional career paths. Yeah, for sure. So how, like, what, what avenues have you found to be fruitful as far as developing those relationships, not just stateside, but globally? Yeah, so pr primarily those relationships are, you know, within people in the U.S. So I'm super active on LinkedIn, and I'm a huge fan of having a Calendly, which is, you know, just like a calendar that's linked to your calendar, if that makes sense, like for bookings. Yep. And so if, if someone, like, posts something interesting, I just send them a uh, uh, a message and say like, Hey, I would love to, to chat more with you. Like, let's set up a time for coffee. And so it's just like, that's been like removing the barrier. And then I host my mappy hours, uh, every month, uh, the mappy hour.com is where, is where you can, can register for those, which was a domain that was given to me by one of the first people who I had a conversation with. Um, and so that's that's some of the the, the avenues that I go, um, both in terms of having the formal conversations, like through Mappy Hours and on Clubhouse, but also just you know one on one conversations. So I love the Mappy Hour idea. Just mm -hmm. I mean, I love catchy things like that. You know, <laughs> talk about that a little bit. Um, what what happens during a uh, a typical Mappy Hour? Yeah, so we are actually celebrating. Uh, our one year anniversary today is actually uh, that we're recording. This is our one year anniversary. So it started off as I was feeling super disconnected uh, during the pandemic and feeling like I just, that we were going into the pandemic winter and wondering what in the world is gonna happen. And so I had uh, forgotten to cancel my Zoom like pro mm. account. And I was like, I, well, I need to get more use out of this. So just decided to like, put it out there and it's grown into a really wonderful community. So uh, we now meet for 55 minutes. So it is not quite an hour, yep. um, but we meet over the, the lunch-ish hour. So it's noon to one central time. We mm. start off by having just a really quick presentation. I talk about something career development, mapping related. Sometimes someone will come and, and talk about something. And then you go into breakout rooms um, wow. to then be able to network uh, with other people within the community. And then you switch and you go into other breakout rooms with people. So what's great is that we have a, it's always a different group of people who come, but we always have a really great turnout. Generally 20 to 30 people show up. Um, so there's maybe a core group of about 10 people who tend to always come and then, you know, a different smattering of people. So I always learn a ton and that's just been a way where I was trying to create the space that I needed last year and didn't know if other people needed that as well and found that it really did resonate with people. So again, maybe, maybe I missed it there, but if, if any of our listeners were interested in becoming involved in the Mappy Hour, and I have a feeling there will be a number of them that want to at least check it out, what's the best way for them to do so? Yeah. So if you go to, uh, I'm not going to say www. So it's the Mappy Hour. <laughs> Dot com or maybe actually sorry https colon there, slash there slash. we go thank you www.themappyhour.com yes thank the, you for the, clarifying it's very important 
So talk about the, like the, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go would, ahead. Love, would love people to come. It's free, yeah. um, which is also something that was really important to me. There's some things that I charge for, but um, making sure there's a place for people, no matter where you are yep. in the world of geospatial, that's also super important. So if you're a surveyor, like your perspective really matters because, right, we're trying to bridge that divide and not just make it, this is not something that's just for GIS people. This yep. is for students. This is for people who are map curious. This is for anyone because we need to have all of those parts at, at the table and we, it needs to be a more comprehensive discussion because we're not doing, I, I mean, I'm using this language now, but we sort of have these two sides of our profession and we really need to become more synergistic. Well, I mean, I don't know if you listen to the other episodes, but I always say that surveyors kind of miss the boat on GIS, but I'm sure you've heard the GIS stands for get it surveyed, right? <laughs> it totally does stand for get it surveyed. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I know that like, again, you know, the, the demand for GIS professionals is probably at an all time high right now, just like it is for. So surveyors. I would say that the demand for geospatial professionals, yes, so I think that's a really important yes. one to make. Yep. So the geospatial industry is booming. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but if you look from like department of labor statistics, the geospatial industry is going off the rails. Um, and so that includes both people who do traditionally GIS, that would include like the, the surveying side of things, right? If we think about all the new things with, with UAS and, and all of that, but then also just like location data in general. And I think that the, a problem that the GIS, and I'm putting that in quotes, profession has had is really pivoting and being inclusive of more people coming into the umbrella and into the family who don't have that traditional GIS background, but who want to bring a spatial perspective to the table. So if you think about, um, so I'm a huge fan of a, of a data company called SafeGraph. Mm. They uh, use your cell phone data and are able to understand sort of where you're going or, you know, for stores, um, you know, understanding like where are, where are your customers coming from or where, where are your, you know, competitors, customers coming from. So that's geospatial data and that's a huge booming industry, but not a lot of GIS people are using that data in part because it requires more programming skills. It's a little bit scary. It's not the traditional data that, that we're familiar with, but there's a whole bunch of people who are making a lot of money who don't know a ton, who don't understand some of the limitations that don't, you know, who know how to do very basic geospatial operations. And so I think that our industry is really struggling because we are continuing to be in these camps that we've been in for decades and that that is only going to continue to hurt our profession as a whole. Totally agree with everything you just said. So geospatial, I mean, I would almost be like, I would almost think that like that encompasses anybody that has anything to do with measuring the earth's surface. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Yes. Then, yes. Right. So that that's where I'm super stoked to be here because we're all part of the geospatial family yeah. and that it, it, we're dealing geospatial is dealing with location anything that's like location related. Correct. I totally agree with that. And the thing is, I mean, anybody who has one of these damn things, I'm showing my smartphone, we're collecting data 24 seven, basically. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's geospatial data. And it's, it's data that can be used to, you know, look at like geofencing and this and that. I mean, it's, Oh my God, it goes so deep. It's crazy. Right. So there, there's so much geospatial stuff that is in apps and other things that, that you expect, right? Like, I currently work for a grocery store company and, you know, 
for, with grocery delivery stuff. And so, yep. you know, one of the things they have is like in the apps is, you know, you can turn on location sharing and then, you know, you drive up to the store, then they're more likely to like have your order ready because they're able to track like where you are. And that's stuff where, you know, it's somebody who has some basic location information knowledge, but they don't have sort of some of these ethical understandings or context questions, but also just like ideas in terms of how can we do this analysis better? They're just sort of take coming from that machine learning, you know, sort of pure programmatic standpoint. And so I think that we need to do a better job of, you know, bringing our tent and really sharing the power of geospatial um, and not making it as closed off as we have. So why do you think it's been closed off? What are your thoughts about that? I, I think in part it's the, um, the history of, of sort of how, I guess, at least GIS got started mm -hmm. in terms of it being a particular type of software. And right. So, so, I mean, we have the particular skills that were needed back in the day when you were using arc info and and with programming or if you were using grass or one of those other things where it required a particular skill set and so then you know it was something that was a lot harder for people to, to pick up and so then there we then began to value this level of particularized knowledge tribal knowledge etc um i also think that because geospatial gis professionals have been fighting for so long to get their stake in the ground of being like having the GIS department or having GIS analyst roles, that they become a lot more reticent to then let anyone mm. in. And just because that then sort of begins to say that the work we've been doing to try and establish us as a profession doesn't actually matter as much anymore. So I've seen this a lot, like with changes that have been made to the GISP. I know I'm, there's going to oh. be fighting words because I'm going after the GISP, <laughs> the GIS professional exam, yep. which... I studied for, but couldn't take last year because I had to drive eight hours one oh, way geez. to take it because of all the COVID center closings. And oh, I was just like, whatever, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to take this. Um, yeah. But, but that, you know, that there's increasing like desire to have the GISP and that people who had the GISP are like, this is, this is the Holy Grail. This is what you must have. And I think there's similar things within surveying sure. where maybe it matters, but it's also beginning. It's, it's a way of formalizing and saying this particular type of knowledge is really what we think really, really matters. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I, I think surveyors, <clears throat> excuse me, not everything has to be survey grade accurate. We don't have to be accurate to the millimeter, sub centimeter, whatever. Mm -hmm. There are certain applications that it's okay to be within a couple feet or whatever, you know, and that's where kind of GIS comes in the way I look at it. Would you agree with that? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause GIS, GIS is more about yeah. the, the data and building a, mm -hmm. da a database, yes. you know, layers, levels, whatever as you it relates call it. to geo reference location. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Data storytelling, being able to bring together yes. disparate data. I think that, that that's the real power of, G, of 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 a GIS is that you're bringing together a variety of information to make a point, tell a story, help help give additional context. Yep, totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Um, so talk about the GIS, or you know, again, I mean, I don't want to, I don't segregate GIS, the geospatial community from your perspective, and how willing you know you and your peers are to to work together to build this community. 
Yeah. So it's been something I've been really uh, thankful for is um, so on Clubhouse, we have five moderators who we show pretty much every week and none of them are people who I've met in real life, which is wow. sort of exciting. Yeah. I, but, uh, all of these were real relationships that I started building at the beginning of lockdown uh, in March of 2020. And so um, all of us are really committed to trying to build this community Um from our different backgrounds. And so I think that there's, and it's not just us, there, there's other people who are hosting events. And so, you know, who who do things. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, it's 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 not me, but there's definitely, I think a, a challenge that, that we have ahead of ourselves to also um, just even getting people to not keep thinking about things in light of it just being GIS is that we are the earth locating people crew and the surveyors matter, the data scientist who doesn't really understand anything about GIS, but wants to use location data, they matter and we're all part of the same tent. Yeah, absolutely. I think about like, so my wife did uh, Instacart. I don't, know if, I don't know if you're familiar with Instacart. It's like an oh, online yeah. shopping thing. Yes. <clears throat> I do Instacart all the time. Yep. She did that like for a year and a half throughout COVID and everything. And the app was so intuitive. It freaking blew my mind because mm-hmm. it knew where she was all the time. It knew where she was shopping, blah, blah, blah. It it's amazing. It like down to the aisle. And- it's amazing. Yeah. And it, maybe that, maybe that, does that go along with the, the, the grocery, um, you know, company that you work yeah, with? I mean, well, that, yeah. So that, that's, you know, I mean, that's a whole other thing in terms of like the, like the in-store geospatial thing, which yes. I know not a ton about, but right. But it's, it's that that spatial context matters. And there's like a level of a GIS that's being involved there. Like I, I know that um, for, for some things, you know, there's can be like an X, Y that you create of like, you know, the milk is, you know, at, you know, five, four or, you know, what, whatever. Um, and so that that's just increasingly showing how how spatialized our world is. Really, but that that's not a job that if you come out of school as a GIS analyst, mm-hmm. that like you're probably going to think I want to go work for Instacart and help design the app <laughs> and the experience to make it faster for people to pick groceries. Right. But like it's totally a spatial problem, yep. and that's where we need to be thinking bigger, not just thinking about these particular tools that we know, but also teaching, you know, a spatial perspective. Yep. So talk about how like, um, you know, leveraging geospatial technology, how that can help like maybe, um, you know, nonprofit organizations, like what can you do to give back? Yeah. So uh, another uh, plug, which hopefully this is okay, uh, is that in the month of November, so typically in November, there's something called the 30-day map challenge where GIS people make maps. You know, some people like write a novel in November. And so uh, I'm actually running a 30-day community map challenge to work on mapping your community to try and help both individuals better understand their community, but as a way to then give back to to their community in terms of creating a community atlas. Um, this uh, In 2020, I ran a program called the Chicago Cultural Atlas, where we mapped Chicago and mm. created a cultural atlas um, wow. sort of showing that there was more to Chicago than just gun violence and pizza. Although those were, you know, pizza was of course a very important part of our atlas, you know, just sort of (laughs) making those, those super fun maps. But that I think that it's really important to be able to have passion projects or other things where you begin to showcase your skills that then both helps you in the job market, but also um, 
I think it can, can is also just like fulfilling. And so um, volunteering with a nonprofit by saying, hey, you know, I am really interested in, in doing some analysis. You know, for my church, I'm just plotting all the members of the church on a map. Like yep. that's really basic, but that's something that's actually really helpful for them because they haven't had anyone do that in a decade. Um, but, you know, that's stuff that can actually help help your community and, and also help you understand your community better. Absolutely. And there's there's some free tools available, right? Like the first one that comes to mind is like QGIS, which is a pretty yes. powerful tool, right? QGIS is, is super great. Um, I, you know, as I said, my first job would, was at Esri, but I use QGIS all of the time because it is free. And one of the things that I love is there's just so many plugins that are created by yep. organizations and by, and by people to, to help do like random things. Um, so that that's something that I love. If you want to work within the Esri ecosystem, so say you're looking for a career pivot, there is the ArcGIS for home use, which is $100 a year. So you can't use that for consulting work or, or any, you know, or for your job. But if you just, if you want to do something to help, um, help your community um, for a hundred bucks, you can get that, which if you think about how much it costs to get, you know, a license of, you know, Adobe, whatever, you know, it's, it's way more expensive than, than that hundred bucks. What would be a good example of somebody that could, you know, spend a hundred bucks on QGIS? How could they use that to help their community? What's a good example of something that, that some folks could do? Yeah, so um, an example of something that you could do is, um, so a, some analysis that I did using, using QGIS was I used satellite imagery from, my, um, from um, NAEP, which is the mm. National Agricultural Something Program. Yep. And so it's, it's high resolution data that, that's freely available. And I use that to understand the, um, the impervious surfaces in my community, and which is really important. Um, Illinois is being really impacted by climate change as everywhere is, but we're getting a lot more rain. And so as we think about areas that might be more prone to flooding, and so you know, may, being able to make an argument of, you know, what, it, well, what if we put a park here? What if we, you know, did, did something like that, or even just being able to share that within my community of saying, hey, you know, this area has a lot of impervious surfaces. Um, that is one, one example of something that someone could do um, to, to help their community. Another thing that, that you can do is uh, if there's a small business that you love, um, that, that you're a really big fan of, um, is um, going to them and being like, hey, I'm a map person. I want to broaden my map skill set potentially for a job. Are there some things that I can do to help you? So some things that I have done in my consulting world is um, taking um, a lot of credit card transactions come at a zip code level and just taking that and putting that on a map, which seems pretty basic, right? If you if you deal with map stuff, you know, it, it's just a join. But that's something that can be really helpful for a uh, for an organization to be able to see where are our customers coming from yep. or if they have delivery addresses being able to to put those on a map it just those again are super basic but those are the things that actually can help small businesses which have been super impacted over the course of the past year and so while it may not be helping a nonprofit, small businesses also are super important to keeping our world and our community afloat 
No question. I'm so glad you said that. And like some of these small businesses, they don't even realize the value of the information that you know geospatial professionals are able to p- provide. You know, yeah. just that's a great example right there. Yeah. So I guess like one one thing that I did is I took um, I used SafeGraph data, which um, sort of gives you like s- some cell phone, um, um, you know, w- which uses cell phone data to be able to 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 give sort of where people are coming from, et cetera. And I, I just did a really quick analysis of my home for the Chamber of Commerce in my hometown about just saying like, here's where people are coming from. There's been there's been sort of a change. Here here are the places where more people are going to, you know, and then they they I don't know what what everything they, they did with that, but in terms of being able to say, hey, maybe we want to, you know, do more street fairs or something, because you know they, they they can sort of in, internalize that whatever. But Chamber of Commerce is some of those other places, like they've really appreciated, you know, that spatial perspective. Yeah. And so much of this information is readily available and free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh Which yeah. Is, it's right. amazing. I mean, even just like pulling in demographic data from the US Census or or other places, which um I mean, there's there's ways that you can, you know, Esri has that stuff freely uh, freely online, which you can actually pull into QGIS at no cost. Just even being able to, to show some of that that demographic information um, can be really, really helpful to um, to businesses. And so while I'm all for supporting nonprofits, I think that uh, one real tangible way that, you know, it, yeah, it's just th- think about small businesses and how can you help them beyond just you giving them your hard-earned dollars. Yep. And, anything, and the, the, the one thing I hope people will take away from this is, you know, we've mentioned the QGIS platform a number of times, and that is a free platform, of course. And of course, I mean, you can spend some money to upgrade it or what have you, but oh my goodness, it is such a powerful tool mm-hmm. and you can generate so much incredible, you know, valuable information, um, almost, you know, the sky's the limit, no pun intended, but um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a great tool. And I it's, would, I would, so, I would, it's so powerful. It, yeah. Yeah. I would never have known about it, you know, and if it wasn't for having the opportunity to work on that GIS project that I mentioned up in Cave mm-hmm. Creek, you know, um, and that gave me exposure to the QGIS platform. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, if you haven't looked into this, you have to look into it because you can get so creative with it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It, I'll say that they're like cartographic output stuff, like just something like the map styling yep. is not as great as you can easily do an ArcGIS Pro. Mm-hmm. But I'd say like for all the analysis stuff, um, I can do it just as well in, in QGIS for yep. $0. For sure. So, I mean, anybody who's like, um, and I know you do like some, and I, I don't want to necessarily say counseling, but you like to, you know, work with folks in the geospatial industry and help them advance themselves in the professions. Um, you know, and I know like a, you know, a, a geospatial portfolio is important. Talk about that just a little bit. Yeah. So th- thanks for asking about that. So I do um, geospatial career coaching where I work one-on-one with people to really help understand where some of your gaps are in terms of taking like my perspective of the industry. And one of the things that, that came out out of all of those different conversations that I had with people is the ability to sell the work that you do is really important. So um, at least on the side, the geospatial side that I'm on, it's there's a huge visual element to it. And I would even say, depending on where you're working within some of the, the, the world of surveying in terms of your outputs, like there's still a huge like visual aspect to it. And a lot of times GIS professionals don't think of the work that they're doing as being something that is um, 
a visual medium. And so we just rely on using a resume uh, to communicate the, the, the work that we've done, whereas a portfolio can really help round out your career experiences that you've had and really can help flesh out more than just a um, a traditional resume can. So I think that a portfolio is really great, uh, particularly for some for people like me who have a non-traditional career path where you know I don't have that degree in GIS, where I'm able to um, to really show visually and through, like through anecdotes some of the the things that I've learned along the way, and um, which I think could be potentially really useful for those who are um, in the serving industry as well. So being able to show being able to show, you know, difficult places that you've surveyed, being able to show, you know, some of the, some of the things that you've done, being able to show some of that mentoring. Um, I, I think it's something that comes across a lot stronger in our portfolio than it does in a traditional, you know, two page resume. Oh, absolutely. And you can like, like, again, going back to QGIS, you know, I, I keep talking about that because I'm so <laughs> impressed by that program, but you could like build, you can almost like build communities within that application and share it with people that could just be incredibly beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, but I guess like with a, with a portfolio in general, they, they tend to be something that is a PDF or like a website where it's just sort of sure. you particularly showing this is the work that I have done. Um, I've, I've even seen them as Instagram accounts, but it's, it's, it's sort of you putting out there, you know, like we, we all have our LinkedIn pages or maybe you don't, but like, you know, we're, we're, which is just sort of a resume, but it, imagine just adding some pictures, even if it was just like you out in a crazy spot where you're surveying, like that actually tells me a lot about who you are as a person. Um, and you know, your grit and your other things that I think we tend to ignore. Uh, increasingly the workforce is, you know, older people are, are being pushed out and increasingly, you know, we're, hiring manager are favoring, hiring on personality, hiring on fit, you know, that your actual human side matters a lot more than it has in the past. No doubt about it. And I, you mentioned LinkedIn, absolutely. I mean, what a, what a great tool, but I think Instagram is an awesome platform for geospatial professionals. I, yeah, I, uh, I have a love hate relationship with Instagram where I'm trying to figure out what, um, how much it, it, it does sort of work, work for me, but I it's Instagram is definitely a place where I find a lot of inspiration from mm. geospatial professionals, and in particular that brighter that broader swath of geospatial professionals. In terms of, I feel like I'm getting more of that survey perspective on sure. Instagram than I do on LinkedIn, which yep. is super fine. Like they're they're different platforms, there's different voices, and I I love being active on multiple platforms. Hey, we all fall under the geospatial <laughs> umbrella, right? <laughs> Yep. No doubt about it. So what keeps you, what's, what are you excited about? You know, whether it be geo, GIS, geospatial, whatever, what, what's exciting you, uh, you know, moving into the future, whether it be, you know, 12 months from now or uh, five years from now? Yeah. So I'm really excited about curriculum that I am currently developing to really help, um, uh, churches, which is uh, sort of a whole other side of what I do, really understand their communities and leverage maps. Hmm. And I think that it, as things like QGIS have become more prevalent, it's now way easier to be able to teach somebody how to put some basic points on a map. And I'm really excited about that, um, that possibility. Um, I'm also just really excited to see how people... Right. I've, I've been in the industry a decade now and people 
again, I'm getting older, whatever, but I, I think people are actually now more so understanding what I do ish than they did before. And I'm really yeah. excited to see over the next 10 years, how more people will, you know, get to understand what in the world geospatial is and understanding the power of maps. I think you nailed it'll it. Go there. from ish to is. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that I think you're right. I think that the you know the world in general is starting to understand what geospatial means, you know, and what folks who work under the geospatial umbrella do. And it's it's pretty exciting time to be be a part of it. To be honest with you. Yeah, and so you know the thing I want to do is try and ride that wave, right? Yep. Make our make our umbrella bigger, bring the people who are doing some of the bad stuff, a little bit of instruction under our umbrella, and but make it clear that they are part of our family and um, bring everyone together because all sides matter, right? We need our surveyors, we need our GIS people, we need the people who leverage geospatial data from our cell phones in scary ways. We all are part of this geospatial industry, whether we like it or not. <laughs> I love it. Good, good, good. Last, last uh, parting shot there. Juliana's, uh, I mean, her passions and, and it's, it's infectious. It when is you say infectious. shoots. Oh yeah. She's all over us. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's it's I'm, definitely I'm tired all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that. It's, it's too early for us. It's late for Juliana. <laughs> yeah, I know it is getting late here. Well, I got to ask you, this is a question that we ask every guest and you got to bring the heat as much as you have for the beginning parts of this episode. Uh, what's a mantra that you live by? I, uh, my mantra is make good tables, mm. which is mm. a, comes Gosh. from a Dorothy Sayers essay about um, the role of a uh, person within the world is to um, just do good work and to, to do good tables. And so it sort of works because I make figurative tables like in Excel a lot, mm. but the, the goal is just like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but the, the goal is just like to put good work out into the world. You know what I love? She said right there, it doesn't have to be perfect. It does not have to be perfect. Yes, exactly. So Juliana, you, <laughs> no, right, per perfection is not the goal, yep. but like I try and, I like I, I strive for goodness so things that are like more ethereal like yep. beauty and art those are things that I think are are really important but just we we want to do good work we want and that that involves like being a kind human as well as doing work that is not dangerous yep absolutely I love that um so Juliana first of all thank you again for joining us this evening um we've touched on a bunch of things I mean pretty much everything I was hoping we'd get to is there anything we haven't touched on that you might want to get out there for our listeners no I well I guess I don't I don't necessarily think so um I think I was really intrigued by like your last episode you know talking about the like land surveying and the importance for um like property rights and other things. Yes. And I, I think that, right, one of the things that I super care about is being able to leverage geospatial technology to try and help right some of the wrongs that are within yep. the world. And that episode got me really fired up in terms of seeing these two dis like these two different sides of, like, I, I didn't quite understand the importance of surveying sort of in that fight for social justice. So that just got me super excited. And I just want to encourage people who maybe listen to that pot, that episode or to, to now go listen to that prior episode um, to, and just to begin to think about what does it mean for me in the work that I do? Um, you know, how, how can I be like pursuing, you know, with, 
with the work that I'm doing in day in and day out, yep. but how can I be pursuing that, that goodness, but also what, what are ways that my work can, can contribute to a world that is more just and equitable? Totally agree with that. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. And I told, and I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Rex Perry, he's onto something and he's been pursuing this for, I met him six years ago. And he woke Jacob. Yeah, Jake, uh, Jake yeah, was, I was fired up. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I, I mean, thank you, Gina, for mentioning that. And then one quick question for you. I see it in the background there. Uh, if people aren't watching the video and just listening, it says Julia at Juliana Mapper. Can you explain that and oh, where we yes, can find yes. you? So you are uh, very spatial, and I'm at Juliana Mapper across <laughs> all social media platforms. So LinkedIn. If you didn't know, you can customize your LinkedIn name, um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all of them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I have to believe you're definitely getting some more followers out of this. So thanks. You, thank you again for being here and, uh, you know, spending the last hour with us. I mean, this has been a, a very enlightening conversation and one that I had looked forward to for, you know, a, 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 gosh, a couple months now. So I'm glad it finally yeah, worked yeah. out. Well, so I, thank I you. I didn't respond to your email. So I, I'm <laughs> We're good. thankful that this has been, this has been great to, to be on the pod. Absolutely. Show. We've loved it. We've loved it for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be very beneficial to a number of people. So, again, thank you. Thank you very much for spending the time this yeah. evening. All right, folks, boys, girls, I believe that's a wrap. Put a bow on it. Put a bow on it, no doubt. Another awesome value-adding show. Please be sure to check us out at thegeoholics.com. Follow us on all social media outlets by searching for The Geoholics. Download all of our podcasts from just about everywhere. And don't forget to download the Geoholics app from Lance Surveyors United. Send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any content ideas or would like to be a guest on a future show. We'd love hearing from our listeners. Super exciting. 50,000 downloads. Good Lord. Who knew that was going to happen? Last but not least, please support our friends of the program every chance you get, like Diamondback Lancerving. Be sure to mention you're a geoholic for entry into the Diamondback Lancerving VIP suite. Pay it forward. <laughs> Add value, make friends. Show gratitude. The Blues Brothers. Everybody needs somebody to love. Taking us out. Until I, next time. I need you. I need you. Be safe and healthy, everyone. Once again, a shout out to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, CobbFenley.com, Cyanic Automation, GetJobBook.com, Diamondback Land Surveying, DiamondbackLandSurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey, GetKidsIntoSurvey.com, Land Surveyors United, LandSurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays, mentoringmondays.xyz, Monson Engineering, monsonengineering.com, Nettleman Land Consulting, nlcprep.com, Parkland Community College, parkland.edu slash surveying, Safety Apparel, safetyapparel.us, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com, Trimble Geospatial, geospatial.trimble.com.